Welcome to Reinventing the Future by HP Tech Ventures. I'm your host, Bonnie Day. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with startup founders and entrepreneurs who are defining tomorrow's world and experiences. We are talking innovation, their groundbreaking ideas, their big picture strategies, and how they continually adapt to our ever-changing world. Their stories will inspire you to dream big, tap into your inner innovator, and create the future you imagine. In today's episode, our guest is Eugen Choi, a co-founder and CEO of Classum, an interactive communications platform that's revolutionizing online education. Eugen has a big vision for the future of the classroom, and she powers it with a personal passion for learning. Welcome, Eugen. Hi, Eugen. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. How are you? Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm so happy to be on it and to share my experience. Absolutely. We are excited. We got lots to talk about today. So let's dive in. So tell me a little bit about how you got from being a student in tech to thinking, gee, I really want to start my own company. And then Mm -hmm. somehow getting to, oh, wow, I want to start my company with someone else. Mm -hmm. I always had passion for education. I always knew that um, education was something that I had to do. Um, so when I started my master's in um, telepresence, which is quite a popular um, term these days, but it wasn't when I actually started. So it's a term that um, to uh, basically to teleport people into an AR or VR setting to meet each other in a different um, time zone or different places and so on to have that seamless connection within the virtual space. And I thought that by bringing this um, technology into the real world that I can help people um, to kind of minimize the social gap that we have here or kind of minimize the geographic gap where people can actually interact with each other or kind of bring that technology or um, education to bridge that together without having any trouble. But having studied that technology, I found out how difficult it was to actually put that into the real world and have people use it on their daily life. And I really wanted to um, make a world a better place. Actually, that was the first sentence that I wrote in my application to my master's degree. I always wanted to make this place a little bit of a better place with, um, you know, a touch of little Eugene and try to do something. So here you are, you know, with all these sort of pieces of, you know, or or Mm -hmm. parts of the recipe. What happened when you met your founder? What was your founder thinking? Yeah. So when I met my co-founder, she was also trying to solve a problem that we normally face inside school. Um, So I think it's uh, really interesting when you ask um, someone who is in school right now who just started their freshman year to a parent that finished their degree 20 years or so um, and ask them what's the fundamental or the easiest way that you talk to your peers or to professor. And I'm pretty sure they have the same answer, which is very it's it's crazy how um, technology changed, but they still communicate in the same way. Um, normally, they'll send emails or, um, you know, visit physically at their office hour. And I felt like that's there is no change in education where technology grew so much. We have easier way to connect with each other um, via Facebook or with Instagram or Twitter and so on. But um, there's no change in education. And with that, it's not just a simple um, channel means of communication, but it really changes the way that we interact and we actually learn as well. Because 
not every student learn in the same pace, same way, or they are active and communicating with their teachers or their peers, but they need a little help. And we thought that that's something that needs change um, in order to bring that um, maybe quality of education or to help people a little push of um, them actually learning what they actually deserve to learn. Um, So I was very interested in that, very intrigued in that. And actually my co-founder was um, trying to solve the same problem when we met, which is very interesting. So I don't think we can go any further without talking about COVID because Mm -hmm. Classum was so prepared, you know, in terms of being in the right place at the right time, Classum was Mm -hmm. the right company to be Mm -hmm. at the head of when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that there were <laughs> there were positives and negatives mm-hmm. and that there were, you know, blessings and curses. So I'd love to hear about the COVID experience while you're sitting in this you know, mm-hmm. prime position of of creating education online for people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, no one predicted COVID. <laughs> no one knew that COVID would come. And when COVID hit, I think it hit um, Asia first, then the States. So in Korea, it, it became a reality that COVID was a thing um, back in 2020, I think in February. Um, I just returned from London from my business trip. And then all of a sudden, starting from the next week, um, people were like, oh my gosh, like, we can't leave the country. That was so surreal because I just came back from London and I was there without a mask, um, you know, joining the bet show. Um, so it was really uh, a shock for everyone. And as I have kind of explained, we started off as an online tool, but a substitute for an offline, you know, face-to-face class. So we didn't really have that video or um, uh, face uh, live um, face uh, time uh, technology within Classroom, it was down the roadmap. It wasn't something that we thought that we had to do it immediately. So when COVID hit in uh, February, early February, we decided to quickly um, change the roadmap. And I contacted Zoom and asked them that we would love to be a partner and have it embedded on the Classroom right away. So I think we kind of moved um, really quickly to kind of create this um, educational hub where everyone can just use Classroom and be able to adapt to the situation um, really quickly because a lot of the times they had to find a tool um, that was substitute for quizzes, for, um, you know, online classes, for, um, you know, preparing for hybrid because no one knew that it would last for three years. So everyone wanted a tool that can be hybrid as well. So I think for um, the next two months after um, COVID hit, uh, we were so quickly changing everything to fit into the online class and to help people to kind of prepare for that blended learning or hybrid aspect of it. That's such a big pivot. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, now in hindsight, I'm sure you're just talking about it. It's like, oh, yeah, we just changed, you know, we just jumped ahead on our roadmap, whatever. But Mm -hmm. but at the time, that had to be a really big Mm -hmm. surprise and a really big twist and a really big challenge. Um, yeah, also not only with the product, but the way we work change. If you think about it, we are so used to working remote um, and using different tools to help us uh, work remotely. But back then to change that, to pivot and to work remotely, it was something that no one tried ever. And as a startup, it was a really big change. So let's talk a little bit about trends, because obviously 
you were looking at trends when you started this company, you know, Mm -hmm. you saw a problem, you saw an issue and you saw a way to step in and solve it. But I'm assuming you always keep your eye on trends now too, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. everything's always changing, especially Mm -hmm. in the last three years. Mm -hmm. So tell me what you're watching now. Um, So we're actually looking into different tools that are actually non-educational because I feel like when we started it, Classroom also benchmarked a lot of the social medias um, because we really wanted to bring that light communication aspect into education, but also have the organized tool where people can learn and teach at the same time. Um, So when we look at different tools, we actually look into tools that are like non-educational where it can actually help out in a different way when it comes to uh, different learning uh, styles nowadays as well. So the learning styles are changing quickly. So one of the really cool example we are actually looking into is the fandom of idols, um, you know, pop stars, uh, where they're making different apps to communicate or be in contact with those um, pop stars as well. And trying to put that into um, education is a little different twist that we actually look at. Um, so I feel like there are, um, because people are so connected online, people are trying to, um, you know, connect in a way that we really didn't think that would actually happen in the education scene. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there will be a different communication method or trends or way that will come into it. You know, also um, the way of having um, the teachers to be a facilitator is a really big change. I feel like a lot of the times they were saying that people, uh, teachers, educators have to be a facilitator. They have to learn how to coach and so on. But that wasn't really changing that fast before COVID. Um, you know, teachers were just teachers. But I feel like nowadays, a lot of the times that the role of the teachers are changing and the role of the, the students are changing, not just inside K-12 or university setting, but also within the workforce setting as well. Great. All right. Well, I would love to talk a little bit about um, what inspires you. You know, you are very inspiring to me, but what inspires you? (laughs) Hmm. What inspires me? I think that um, one of the perks of being a founder is that you can actually choose the people that you want to work with. And creating that culture or environment you think that would be able to motivate people is another perk as well. And actually working with my team members every single day really motivates me because um, there are so much things that you can learn from each other. Um, I think that what I learned um, while through my experience is that you can never do everything yourself and you can never do it um, alone. Um, I know that when a startup skyrockets, a lot of times the spotlight goes to the founders um, and trying to see what they have done. And obviously they do deserve it, but at the same time, um, I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't be able to um, achieve that without the team that they have um, today. And I think working with my team members every single day, I get really motivated um, because they are in this, we are in this together to, you know, change, um, be the game changer of education and them striving to do things better or striving to um, come up with a better idea or striving to, you know, make maybe a little change in the pitch deck of sales deck. And that would change enormously. And, you know, having that, you know, spirit together, I feel like I'm getting all the motivations and inspiration that I need every day. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the fact that you value your team so highly and support mm-hmm. them um, 
so wholly. I think that is an incredibly wise decision. Oh, Obviously, is paying okay. off for you. Um, in terms of inspiring others, um, mm-hmm. I I know you definitely do things to inspire your team. But do you reach out beyond your company to inspire mm-hmm. other people? Actually, like just yesterday night, um, I think at 10 p.m., I had a call with this um, college student in Canada, um, which is very interested in um, you know starting our own company. And it took us all. Um, and I feel like a lot of female students reach out to me because they don't really see a lot of female founders um, that ha- they they can reach out to that are in the similar age as well. Um, and I am from halfway around the world um i don't even know her i mean she's not even korean she's just a canadian um she just reached out to me to get some understanding of how i started it and i'm really grateful that my experience as a founder can really help students help others out and kind of vision um they can actually see a person out there that has done something is very different from just reading a book or maybe hearing it from a different person really exciting for you to have seen some of your dream actualized so quickly. I mean, here you are. 2017 wasn't that long ago, right? You were just yeah. in school and dreaming this. And now, you know, here you are right in the middle of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like you can't like uh, continue doing a startup unless you feel passionate about it. But at the same time, it has to be exciting and fun, too. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I think you have to be. It's like you have to have a certain set of skills, but you also have to have a certain kind of personality. You know, mm-hmm. there are some traits that you have to have, I think, to be successful and to deal with all of the challenges. What would you say those traits are in you that just make it something that you're built to do? I really love the uh, quote um, by Reed Hoffman. He said that like uh, startup is like jumping off a cliff and building a plane on the way down and, you know, hoping that a parachute work or hoping that you won't hit the ground. And I feel like that really sums up what a startup is. Um, you have no idea what you're doing, but you're very excited. And you're like, oh, why don't we just jump off a cliff? And you just start jumping. And on the way down, you realize um, <laughs> it's totally different. Um, there, There's a lot of different emotion that hits you on your way down. And I feel like generally... I'm a very positive person. Uh, I love, um, you know, dreaming about that. Everything will turn out great. Um, just be having that positive energy. I think it really helped um, on our way down <laughs> off of the cliff of reminding my um not just my co-founder, but reminding our team members that this is something that we can do. I always tell them, if not now, when, if not us who, I always remind them that we are the ones that have to take that um, challenge and we are the ones that are changing um, the way that we are learning and teaching. And if we stop here, you know, no one might do this. Um, This is something that we really strongly believe that someone has to take the initiative and do it, do. um, So we can really make a a world a little bit of better place. Um, Yeah, so I think that um, really brought 
really helped the, our team members, especially during COVID time, because I love uh, making little events that will help out uh, my team members to really remember that we are one team and we are very connective. Um, yeah, so having that positive energy, also really being attentive to people's needs, uh, really being attentive to know that when is the right time to listen or to talk to, um, you know, and maybe send a little gift or maybe just say, um, are you having a hard day? You know, just having that and always reminding people to be more visionary um, because that's something that you really need in a startup. So yeah, well, this, this is an area I want to talk about because mm-hmm. I think it is, it is vital Mm-hmm. When when you have a startup like yours, it is vital mm-hmm. to create a certain type of culture mm-hmm. uh, that lifts your team mm-hmm. and that encourages them, not only encourages them to be innovative, but then keeps the fire burning because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, everybody starts to lag at some point. And so I'd love to know what you think about um, mm-hmm. your culture. You know, mm-hmm. what did you, what did you put into it? How did you conceive mm-hmm. of it and how is it going? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if the business is, you know, doing really great, people are motivated. But the other thing that I really highly focus on is um, having that um, stability and trust within the the company, because I really wanted our team members to be able to um, give honest, critical feedback, but also give, um, you know, positive feedbacks and have that trust and stability, you know, psychological stability uh, within the company. And I always wanted to... um, um, encourage my team members to have three ways of communication. It's um, something that I always tell them when they first join to have a clear communication, open communication, and also um, over communicate with others because um, people will not be able to understand you unless you would able to um, communicate to be able to give them the whole scenario of what you're trying to communicate because they don't have the enough information as you do. And to do that, I try to build it up very slowly because you can't, you know, build a trust in a day. Um, So I really wanted to have that culture um, inside classroom. So when COVID hit, obviously communication became a really big thing. I um, actually built a little post box for everyone and the team members um, offline where they would send uh, little notes to each other. Mm -hmm. So I told them to write um, a thank you note during the week and gave them a little post and a candy, a lollipop for them to send out. And, you know, it's something that we do (laughs) in Valentine's Day um, inside class when you're uh, in elementary school. Um, And I think at first people are very puzzled, like, what are you trying to do? Um, And I just told them, you know, hand out candies, hand out a little note in their post box for a week. And actually it worked out so well during half of the week point people asked for more paper and we did that and by end of the week um, I told them to bring all their post box and to open up their um, you know box and try to see how many posts that they would have (laughs) and once they um, started counting and telling me how many they got I actually took every single um, note into $10 bill and changed that and gave them, um, you know, in return um, and doubled it up because um, I told them this is what we are really thankful for as a, as a, as a team to be able to compliment and to receive a compliment is something that is really important. 
And I really wanted to show them the weight of their words and, you know, exchange of uh, money, um, try to show them how important that is. And then after that, I made a Slack channel called Thank You. And mm-hmm. people are sending compliments and thanking each other every single day That's and great. bringing that positive vibe and, you know, giving positive feedback. And because of that, people are very um, open-minded and giving critical feedback or feedback that maybe they would not want to hear necessarily, but they have the trust that the other person is giving them because they want them to grow and because it's really necessary and needed. Um, So I think it's a really unique um, culture that we have in classroom. It's fantastic. So it is a dream. You are living a dream. You Mm -hmm. thought it up, you envisioned it, it's happening. Mm -hmm. Is it as good as you thought? Better? How do you feel? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. It's very scary because as your team grows, um, there are so many people that is relying on you and you have to really think about that um, the investors your team and their family and you know you are actually um, they are making their living out of it um, and you're also um, when they join the team you're out actually selling your vision and your dream and how this would happen and what they can do um, so I feel like there are a lot of weight on my shoulder where I have to really think about that so when starting my uh, where when I started it, we didn't want it to get investment straight away. We actually wanted to see that this has the potential of growing, and this would actually sell and be sustainable. Um, and then we received our first funding in December of 2018, uh, because when we start when we received that funding, we knew that there is no turning back. We have something that we have to be more. Uh, more responsible of other than ourselves or maybe the team that we have. And um, so that's why we kind of waited until that point that we knew that we there's no return. And I always have to remind, constantly remind myself that I am taking care of not just the team or myself, but their family and so on and on and on. I always remind myself how humble I should be, um, how, you know, thankful or grateful I should be. Also, you know, having that gratitude and, you know, it's it's a professional environment, but also remind them, um, you know, that how much love that you can have for others and to, you know, really be thankful of all the luck that you might have. Because I know that starting a startup doesn't... Um, just because you have the uh, uh, the skills or attitude to it doesn't mean that you can do it. You always need that little luck and help from other people. So, you know, you have to be always be grateful and be humble for what you're having. When I talk to you, I feel like you were born to do what you're doing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> do you feel like you came this way or do you feel like this is something that that developed over your life oh I I think that um I was very curious I was a curious child to just begin with um I mean as cliche as it sounds um I think my first experience of um not an entrepreneurship I would normally say but um just having my first experience of knowing that I can sell something kind of changed um the whole experience of um you know my life uh, viewpoint <laughs> so I I know that almost every elementary school student in the states would experience um you know going around the door for fundraisers to you know maybe sell um chocolate bars or cookies and so on and I had that experience when I was young too and I think that was my first sales pitch and um I had 
no idea what I was doing because no one tells you. I went around uh, my neighborhood and then I stopped by at the first door and I was like, should I ring the doorbell? Should I not? And I was just standing there for quite a long time because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, And then I was like, yeah, I'll just move to the second door. And then I went there and I rang the doorbell. And then for that one slight second, I was like, oh, like, what should I say? And would she, would he or she open the door? And, you know, I started doing that, but as soon as I sold my first candy bar, chocolate bar, I just knew that what I had to do. Um, so starting from the third door, I would tell them um, what this, what the needs of it, how it tasted and why would they like it and what's the benefit they will get out of it. And I started doing that and there was the excitement that people actually listen to you and they will actually understand and donate was an experience that really um, changed the perspective of what I could do. And plus to that, um, I would build everyday, very unnecessary gadgets when I was young. So I love playing with Lego and also having my father, who was also an engineer, kind of influenced me as well. But I will try to find a more efficient way uh, to do everyday things. Like, for example, uh, we are a family of five. So um, so I would um, help out my mom in the kitchen and she would normally make pancakes or toast for a Sunday morning. And I felt like there were like, you know, faster ways to flip that. So I would just um, tie like spatulas together to flip pancakes three times, three pancakes at once or, you know, create Lego uh um, domino so maybe I can turn off the light without having to walk from the bed because who wants to turn off the light when they're almost you know falling asleep so you know I would do that um, having that combination of kind of innate salesperson and also trying to build something um, I think there it kind of kind of showed who I am since I was a very young uh, children yeah and what about um, when you got toys did you use them or did you take them apart um yeah, <laughs> I think my mom wasn't really happy with it. So yeah, my dad would buy me, um, you know, cars or, um, you know, uh, uh, some functioning toy. And I always would have a screwdriver and, you know, untie, unscrew everything and try to reassemble and assemble them back and try to see the mechanism behind it. I don't know why, but I think I was very interested on how it would, it makes a toy move. Um, so I will normally break them on the first or third day and ask my dad if he can do that for me. And one thing that I really appreciate that my parents were, they never scold me or they would never tell me that what I was doing was wrong, but they will always teach me um, why this didn't work or why you have to do it in this certain way to make it work. And, um, you know, having that communication with your parents, I think as a child was really important. Yeah. That sounds like the perfect environment to be Mm -hmm. curious and creative and Mm -hmm. to be supported in that. Um, I'm curious, did your passion for education, did that come in childhood? Um, yeah, most definitely. Um, I think, um, you know, as I said, I was a happy child as well. Um, very positive kid. Um, and when I was eight years old, um, we moved to the States, um, and I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what a plane was. When we moved there and from the U.S. where my perspective of life really changed as well. And uh, back then, people did not know about Korea. There was no BTS. There was no Squid Game. Um, I, it would, people didn't even know where Korea existed off of the earth. Um, and on top of that, I didn't speak English at all. And I didn't even know my ABC. And um, on top of that, 
again, I was the only person of color in my class um, school other than my sister. Um, so not wow. knowing the language, being the only person of color and not knowing the culture, it just, you know, uh, it was really tough. Um, and I remember um, going through racism or culture gap. Um, one thing that really hit me that I was very different was on the first day of school, um, you know, normally kids would have lunch boxes and my mom made me kimbap. So it's like a, it's like a roll, a Korean, you know, roll. And uh, when I opened it, I remember the reaction of every kid in front of me, uh, my class, thinking that I'm actually eating worm or some sorts that, you know, a person should not eat. And I remember closing that and just crying throughout the whole lunchtime and throwing it away and thinking like what just happened. Um, I remember so vividly how, um, you know, my parents were cheated um, around the neighborhood as well. And I think that I knew I had a role as a child that I wanted to make this world a better place a better place, um, even small things that I can do. And growing up, I knew that I wanted to do that. Um, and having that experience of taking that ESL classes and learning English and changing the perspective of how people looked at me because I just spoke English was another shock that I had. And understanding the culture and being able to, um, you know, be able to just um, go um, and be, um, be able to be treated as a different person just because you understand the culture is also very different. So I knew that um, this was something that I always wanted to do. And that really sums up into education. And with Classroom, it's helping and bridging people to communicate and understand different people's um, style of learning because you can't really tell a student that they're a bad student or they don't know they are, um, you know, they're lacking just because they don't follow up with class or they have a bad grade. You never know what the potential behind someone is. And that's why Clossum's, um, you know, mission is to unleash the full potential um, of the individual people and try to understand where they're coming from and why they will want to learn or what they have in themselves. And I really wanted to bring that out. And I'm really happy that now people understand what we are trying to do. You know, you've got all these things going on in the in the learning experience, experience in the environment that make it so much more than a classroom. And I think that is what's so interesting hearing your story and then seeing your product and mm -hmm. seeing that connection that you've made. So um, let's talk a little bit about your partnership with HP. Mm -hmm. um, so that's relatively new, right? What yes. does that bring to Classum that wasn't there mm -hmm. before? Mm -hmm. So um, our first encounter with HP was um, through uh, the world's biggest edtech uh, competition, uh, which is called GS Awards. And thousands of um, applicants flow in, and we were really grateful um, to be able to participate in the HP special track, where um, HP would go through all the, um, you know, would be will screen all the companies and be able to see what kind of partnership it, there could be in the future. Um, so be able to uh, become the first place in that special track really helped us to get that significant, um, you know, understanding from other, you know, uh, 
other companies or other parts um, within the tech that we are kind of HP approved, you know, kind of understand that what we're doing really is um, different and what we are doing is really special and what it, what differentiates us with thousands and, you know, millions of different tech companies out there. Um, so it really helped us to, for people to um, not question us and see that um, what we are doing maybe isn't, um, maybe um, isn't really different from others. But with having that, people would kind of see, oh, why is HP interested in your company? What it, What is that makes you different? So bringing that curiosity into different, um, you know, within inside the field really helped us a lot to gain that awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it's a big stamp on your passport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it's, it's wonderful to have a partner with that much experience too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the changes within the tech space is that people are partnering up with different uh, companies because not one company can do everything. Um, I think back in the days, people thought that one company could do everything. So they would build a huge um uh, tech, uh, would hu- build a huge platform where everyone has to just use that. But nowadays, um, since technology is changing so much, um, people are trying to build that educational hub where people would help each other and bring that dream to you know life by helping. And I think with HP, that is also another thing that we are experiencing as well, because there is so much help that we can uh, receive from them. And I think that we can also bring that, um, you know, new ideas and creativeness that uh, um, uh, millennials or Gen Zs um, can actually bring inside a corporate, uh, traditional corporate as well. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, here you are, and Mm -hmm. you've pretty much made everything happen that you wanted to happen so far. What's the dream now? What's next? Oh, um, there's actually so much things that I want to do. Um, uh, obviously, there are, you know, a year goal, three-year goal, five-year goals that we set every single year. But I think as an ultimate goal that um, I kind of um, mentioned, um, our vision, uh, our mission is to, you know, um, unleash the full potential. And um, I think there are various ways that I can do that, especially with technology or with not. There are a lot of different ways that I can do that. Um, and in the ultimate goal, I really wish that Classroom is not just a tool uh, or a platform that is used by certain institution, but as a whole, I've wanted it to be, you know, a massive global internet uh, online schools that people can share their ideas, um, come in and learn from each other and be able to, you know, because there's always room to learn and there's always room to give as well. Um, So I feel like that's something that I would like it to happen um, in the long run. Um, So that's that's one of the goals that I have. I love it. I would love to go to that school. What will (laughs) I learn? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let me just wrap this up with, if Mm -hmm. you were to teleport mm-hmm. into the bedroom of uh-huh. your eight-year-old self when you moved mm-hmm. to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and you were struggling at school and you didn't speak mm-hmm. English and you mm-hmm. were thrown into class, uh-huh. what would you whisper in your ear? What would you tell yourself at mm-hmm. that moment in time? I uh, I never really thought about it, but I think I would say um, always be yourself um, because I think that even though I didn't really change myself to fit in. 
I always was cautious about my actions or my words or what I was doing because I always tried to make sure that I was, um, you know, like my friends. Um, but I think that if I um, could tell myself like to be, you know, what you're doing is just fine. Be yourself. And um, I mean, you turned out great. <laughs> um, maybe that's, yeah, I think I would love to tell myself that. Yeah, I think I would tell her it's all going to work out. <laughs> You're doing good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's, if you don't mind, wrap up with some fun, like rapid questions. Tell me what your favorite holiday is. Oh, ooh. my favorite holiday is actually Christmas. I love that, uh, you know, warm coziness that just Christmas can give you. Of uh, Also, um, my, one of my love language is giving gifts. And I love, love giving gifts. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a time that I can actually express myself without, you know, coming off as weird. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love events and decorating. And what can you ask more for, like, than Christmas? Right. Are you one of those people that does Christmas like for a month? <laughs> Very much. Um, actually, I, I I should take it off. Um, it's past uh, uh, February, but I still didn't take off all the lights on the in my office because I just love turning it on at night. Okay, in three words or less, mm -hmm. innovation is change without knowing. If you could have dinner with anyone, living, mm -hmm. dead. Just sit down at a table and chat. Who would it mm -hmm. be? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, realistically, my parents, because I haven't had, to, had time to eat with them for quite a while. That's the reality, actually. <laughs> you know, I barely see them. I I I go out the door at like eight or something, and then I come back at maybe two, three in the morning. So I barely see them. So I haven't had time to eat with them for a very long time. Um, yeah. Um, is there anything that you feel like besides being an awesome founder, is there anything else that you feel like you're really good at? Hmm. I'm a really good cook. <laughs> I love making, um, food, cooking, baking, everything. And I especially enjoy, um, other people enjoying the table together. Um, but I feel like cooking is another science. I love not having the recipe and just cook off, like opening the refrigerator and, or learn a different style of cooking. And do you deconstruct meals? <laughs> I mean, when I go to a restaurant and I start eating, I always try to see what kind of ingredients in there, what they have done differently. Like, you know. <laughs> okay. If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Uh, positive. I'd agree yeah. with that. If other people had to describe you in one word. Mm -hmm. I think um, who you ask might be different. <laughs> um, I think like fun to be with, easygoing. Yes, you are easygoing and you are fun to be with. Um, all right. Last one. If your life were a T-shirt, mm -hmm. we put it on you. Mm -hmm. What would it say? Follow your dream. Mm, very nice. And on the back, I would put airline mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> Oh, Eugene, thank you so much for doing this. It's just fantastic to talk to you. You are very, very inspiring. And I wish you so much luck with what you're doing. I can't wait to see what happens next.
Thank you so much for the time and the opportunity. I had a blast as well. Oh, you're fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reinventing the Future by HP Tech Ventures. A very big thanks to Eugene Choi, co-founder and CEO of Classum, an HP Tech Ventures portfolio company, for sharing her inspiring innovation story with us. Join us next time for more inspiration from startup founders and entrepreneurs whose companies are making life better for everyone, everywhere. In the meantime, remember, we all have the power to shape the future. What future will you create? If you enjoyed this episode of Reinventing the Future, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review.